Hello everybody and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today, Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you. Good morning, Dr. Paul. Very good. Okay. We're going to start off with uh, talking about Santos. We talked about that yesterday or so. And we've talked about him several times. I find his story fascinating because he tells lies and he says, sure, I tell lies all the time. Uh, and I thought he, you know, his fitting into Washington is to me very interesting. We also have a couple other things in the news that we will mention after we talk about uh, Santos. And that one will be Kissinger, a hundred years. He did pretty well in life and uh, controversial at times. And I have a personal story to tell about him as well as Rand has introduced an important piece of legislation and I uh, sure wish we could get it passed and try to head off the next war. So anyway, but, but we will start off with, uh, with Santos. And the whole issue here uh, is lying. And I think there's a famous quote, probably everybody in this audience has heard it maybe more than once. And I'm gonna put it up because it tells you a lot about how people think about lying. And uh, it's the Goring quote. I want to put that up, and I'm going to read that, and uh, because this this tells you, uh, you know, a person that saw, was seen as the epitome of evil, actually spouting something off. It was pretty well the honest truth as he faced death at the, at, at Nuremberg. So I'm going to go ahead and read this because it's a, a, a whole lot of information here. He said, of course, and he was interviewed uh, as he was a prisoner and it was within days that he was convicted. And, and then uh, he killed himself try, trying to avoid the uh, killing by the government. He says, and this is goring. Why, of course, the people don't want war. Why should some poor slob on a farm want to risk his life in a war when the best he can get out of it is to come back to his farm in one piece? Naturally, the common people don't want war neither in Russia nor in England nor, for that matter, in Germany. That is understood. But after all, it is the leaders of the country who determine the policy and it is always a simple matter to drag the people along, whether it's a democracy or a fascist dictatorship or a parliament or a communist dictatorship. Voice or no voice, the people can always be brought to the bidding of the leaders. That's easy. All you have to do is tell them they are being attacked and denounce the peacemakers for lack of patriotism and exposing the country to danger. It works the same in any country. Well, I'll tell you what, that is some quote concerning where it's coming from. Somebody that was going to commit suicide or be killed within days and was being tried for what was going on, uh, you know, during the, uh, during the Hitler uh, uh, warmongering in uh, World War II. But uh, it's, it's obvious that uh, they live lies and, uh, and yet you get, you know, you know, a mouthful of truth. And I see that in comparison to most of what we hear from our politician, where they're not the you know, the total blatant lies. Sometimes it's just fibbing and demagoguing and politicking and everything. But they don't live with a bundle of truth like we, uh, like we have here. But uh, right now, even today, I think there's a hearing going on uh, in, in, in Washington uh, on George Santos, 
who uh, lied his way into Congress. He was even quoted as saying and writ had written about, he says, well, I was really just curious about whether a con artist could be elected to Congress. And he says, I never thought it could be. So his expression was, and this all might be a gimmick for him, who knows. Uh, he says, I never believed that a con artist uh, could win. And then I kept thinking, what is the combination uh, you know, of a con artist and an average politician. You know, it isn't the blurting out an absolute truth like Goring did in his last moments of life. But uh, we, we hear, hear this and I, I think uh, so often the people can recognize it, but right now, uh, you know, Santos had this press conference this morning, and I watched it, and I had to laugh a bit about it. It, it seemed like uh, he had the had he had all the spectators, the listeners, the press, and the politicians in his hands because uh, he does all kinds of threatening and what he's going to do. He said, "Sure, I know they're going to throw me out." It, it's just so ironic, but the issue is is telling the truth. They said he lied. Uh, but he, if he's kicked out and expelled, he will be the sixth member of Congress in our history to have been expelled from the Congress. But he will be the first one to be expelled that was never convicted of a crime. So they have, uh, they've gotten this out of order. They tried to do this twice and it failed. And for various, uh, for various reasons, he, he wasn't expelled. And it's a difficult thing for the Republic. Oh, we might lose the majority vote and, and, and that sort of thing. So there's a lot of ambivalence about that. Uh, and uh, I, I, I think the politics of it is very interesting. But Daniel, I, I just I think this is uh, sort of fascinating. And I know you have observed closely this goring quote. So I don't know whether there's any association or points we can make between the two. Daniel? Yeah, I did watch the press conference as well today. And um, I have to confess, I don't know George Santos's voting record very well. I suspect it's not stellar, but there's no denying that he is extremely talented orator. He's a gifted speaker. He's entertaining. Uh, he doesn't, uh, he has, a, he has a, a, a really sharp intelligence. Uh, and he's witty. And so that's why probably he's hated on the Hill, because he's everything the average member is not. And I think um, the other uh, reason that he's hated so much uh, is that he exposes them for what they really are, um, which are bigger liars than him. And the vote is scheduled for tomorrow. <clears throat> Sorry. The expulsion vote is scheduled for tomorrow. And as you rightly point out, Dr. Paul, of the six who have been expelled, uh, all of them thus far have been convicted of something. Uh, no, I think several of them were Confederates and they were convicted of treason and a few others were convicted of crimes. He'll be the first that wasn't convicted of a fine. Um, so it really is an extraordinary moment, particularly as you also point out, uh, with the Republicans having a razor thin majority in the House, would they really push to have someone like Santos kicked out? Um, we saw today, or at least I saw in political, you probably saw Dr. Paul, uh, that Kevin McCarthy is thinking about quitting before the end of his term. Uh, if that happens, most likely uh, Newsom will not appoint a successor uh, in this term. So the Republican, I think, four-seat majority now will be whittled to virtually even. Uh, so it's a dumb move if the House moves, moves forward. But uh, as you say, Dr. Paul, 
he's a very he's an extraordinary person that's for sure it's of concern you can't ignore and say oh lions okay it's just a fine games thing but then when you think about the big lies that's what I, calls my attention to this because I've already expressed my opinion you know they lie all the time that's how they get into Congress then I think when they're there they all put up their hand and I swear to uphold the Constitution word by word and uh, they they don't but they have an excuse and they say oh it's a living document we have permission to, to, to make it say whatever we want and, you know all this nonsense but the big lies they're huge and they don't get any attention, but uh, somebody that's doing this who, who's a little off, and, but making a point, he might be, he might be just uh, uh, have, wanting to have a game and make fun of it. And he may continue to do this for a long time. But it is still interesting to see what they do because, because they are really turned for political reasons of what, whether they're going to expel uh, expel him from the Congress and I don't even know whether I'd want to make a prediction on, on that uh, but I would think that it's going to be a close vote that's what I think but uh, yeah. <laughs> go ahead I was just going to say you, you started out your segment with uh, talking about the big lies uh, and if you compare anything that Santos has ever said as you say as a con man compared to the really legendary lies even, uh, even during my time with you in Congress uh, there's just no comparing the two. Uh, you know, uh, Saddam Hussein has WMDs, um, so on and so on. And in fact, just a couple of days ago, uh, Vice President Kamala Harris was in an interview and she said, Russia hacked the 2016 election and threw it in favor of Trump. That is a massive disproven lie with serious consequences. You talk about undermining our democratic system uh, uh, forwarding a lie, continuing to repeat a lie like that undermines our system more than the Russians ever could. Yet there's never any repercussions for, as you, as you call them correctly, these big lies. It's only the little lies as to uh, whether his Ferragamo shoes are six years old or one year old. Those are the ones they want to get him on, not, uh, not the big lies of the others. Yeah, but they always promise good things, uh, you know, all this, if they're talking about foreign policy and the need to spend money and send kids off to war for peace, for prosperity, and uh, always for democracy. We have to protect democracy. And democracy, but they never say, you know, we ought to reconsider the fact of restoring the republic that we were given. Uh, which was clearly given to us, but no, d does any school, uh, you know, teach the difference of that? Why, why, why should they? Because they're government schools. The schools are there, you know, to uh, teach people how to have this distortion of the, of the truth. So it's, uh, it, it, it involves so, so many things. Right now, I, I think there's a lot of lies told about the climate and uh, nobody knows what to believe. And fortunately, the people waking up, they're just getting sick and tired of it. They're catching on. The government lies to it. And, uh, and, and yet, they're very gullible. And you know, like Goring says, you can't have patriotism. Use patriotism and uh, lie to them, and they will always go along. You know, we hear lies about what's going on on our borders. You know, they're involved in medicine. Think of all the, all the lies told and the people who were punished over COVID. And that was, a, you talk about a conspiracy of, of lies, uh, you know, and that was so bad. 
you know, the combination of big corporations, the pharmaceuticals, along with governments, is still going on. Where, where, the, uh, where, where the true fascism or, or corporatism exists. And then they can flip that around into people who are fighting all this. They're called, you know, the, the fascists. You know, so it's, uh, it's all based on, on uh, how we can lie their, how they can lie their way out of the system. But, uh, you know, they, they always say, you know, when, when the other biggest lie that I've talked about for quite a few years is the lies about money that, that they have convinced people that as long as the government gives us money as long as they spend money that we will have prosperity and uh, so where are we now by living with this and that's been for a hundred years it's being questioned now which is great because it doesn't work and people are getting poorer but all they say is we have to have we have to have a flexible monetary system we have to have a government management of it you can't have the market determining this and uh, it's all based on a fraudulent arguments I mean we we have the counterfeiters in charge and, and nobody, nobody, hardly anybody stands up and say enough is enough. But more and more, and we're going to keep plugging away there. But uh, I, I, I think, uh, you know, some of the big ones are certainly the oath of office is a real big one. The money issue is a real big one. The justification for foreign policy, Daniel, I think is a horror. That's why I used that quote, just, just to show how, how they those who were perpetuating it knew how to do it. And it was sort of a confession, I assume, but uh, it's just an interesting uh, statement by Goring. Daniel? Yeah, and there's one other extraordinary thing, Dr. Paul, that I immediately thought of you. And that is when George Santos opened his press conference today one of the very first sentences that he uttered, and I'm interested in your reaction to this, he said, quote, Congress represents chaos. <laughs> and considering that you've written so much about chaos lately, I thought that was a fascinating quote. I wonder if you paid attention to that part. Well, no, that's, that's very educational because I have to expand my understanding of chaos. Uh, because uh, there is chaos in Congress and that is a problem. I think of the chaos of their policy uh, deliberately causing chaos in the streets and, they can, and getting people to go into conflict with each other and cause civil strife. But yes, there's, there's chaos in, in Congress and they get away with it when the country is very, very wealthy and a, a lot of room to get away with lying and cheating and stealing. But eventually they get caught into it. And that's why we're, we're facing these problems today is because uh, it has become chaotic. So we'll give him a plus for that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think the, the other really big news today, Dr. Paul, as you pointed out in your excellent opening, uh, was the death of Henry Kissinger. Uh, now, obviously, 100 years old, um, it's, it's inevitable that it would have happened uh, at some point in the, in the near future, but it looks like he's finally passed away. There's probably, there are probably fewer people, uh, maybe George Kennan and a few others, that have been more consequential in the history of 20th century foreign policy than Henry Kissinger. Now, uh, a lot of people have developed very strong uh, views of him one way or the other. There's seldom a nuanced view of him. I was just wondering what your thoughts and reflections 
R about Henry Kissinger? Uh, you know, I, I was going to start with answering that question before you asked the question because I didn't know what you were going to ask me. Because uh, somebody said, uh, even today, they said, did you like him? I mean, uh, because I knew him and had met him. Now, I think I have a picture. If our staff can get my, a picture, and I have to confess, um, I'm in a picture with Kissinger, and we, uh, we were buddies. <laughs> But uh, the reason this picture is interesting is uh, he's a, he looks like a gentleman. I look scared, <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I was scared because that was my first or second day in Congress because it was in the 70s. I won a special election, <clears throat> and uh, it was after Nixon was kicked out and Ford was president. So the Republicans still had control of the cabinet, but not the House or the Senate. They had very little control of the House or the Senate, <clears throat> but we had, uh, the Republicans had had the pre presidency. So we would have speakers, there was a class, that class, the Republican class, usually they, make, they could have new members, like this year there'll be a lot of new members, 60, 70, sometimes over 100 new members coming in around time. There were 14, 14 Republicans in the 1974 class, but I sort of got in at the tail end. I was elected during that, uh, that group and was included in that, but it was in 1976. And uh, we had a luncheon and uh, Kissinger came over because that was one of our deals because they, that we had access to, to, the, uh, 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 to, to the cabinet. And uh, he, I keep kidding, I said, you know, uh, they wanted, somebody asked me, why are you looking away? I said, well, I, I didn't want to look like I really like Kissinger. And, uh, you know, I, back then I would have said, I disagree with his policies and I didn't approve, but I didn't have any emotional, oh, I really like the guy, or I think he's a bum, or anything like that. But I think Daniel's statement was really right, right on it, because he, he was a diplomat. And the one reason why uh, if I s slip, or purposely to, uh, talk about Kissinger and Nixon, I talk about opening the door to China. I think that was great because I really personally suffered from the war going on in Korea because one of my teachers who was a coach, you know, was redrafted after World War II and sent to Korea and that's where he was killed. And that, that was not a, a good event for me. And I'll, I'll tell you, I, I think that uh, opening up that door and a lot of good came from it. But now we're hysterically, you know, bad mouthing and uh, condemning China for everything. <clears throat> and maybe we're part of the problem. They say, well, they're coming over here and buying our stuff. Well, they have our money. Uh, you know, uh, we bought stuff from them and they gave them their money. And under the general rules of international trade and all, they're allowed to do this. But no, right now there's a lot of China bashing going on. So I would think, Daniel, that listening to what you said on how Kissinger acted in a positive way, more people may consider that. Uh, and they'll say, well, no, right, right now the Russians are ch chiming in and talking about uh, how they liked, uh, they liked Kissinger. But Kissinger will be liked by everybody now, so that'll be all right. But we should look at the good things he did and, and the diplomacy. Uh, you know, it was it was beneficial. But it, it's a it's a it's a real shame now that we're back. You know, looking for a war with China. It's 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 horrendous. So I'm very disappointed with that.
Yeah, as someone mentioned on Twitter X, it seems that more people are angry with the guy who ended the wars in Southeast Asia than the guys who started it, i.e. LBJ and JFK. So um, that's an interesting point. But I think, you know, what's interesting about Kissinger, in, in just in my mind, in my uh, unfortunate several years studying international relations in grad school, um, is that he really epitomizes the realist school of foreign policy, of international affairs, <clears throat> in my view. Even though technically he's not necessarily considered uh, a realist per se. Um, but, you know, I think realism as a political, as an international relations theory, values power over principle and power over people. And now that has positive and negative connotations. Uh, now, on the positive ledge, side of the ledger, um, with Kissinger, you would have detente with the USSR, you know, in situation much worse than we have right now, as we talk about on this show forever, Dr. Paul. The situation in the 70s was much worse. We had nuclear missiles pointed at each other. We had a, a hair trigger. Uh, we were fighting international communism. So in those conditions, he was responsible for detente with the USSR. As you pointed out, uh, the opening to China, where most everyone uh, on the left and right in the U.S. is just chomping at the bit for war with China. And the third is the Middle East shuttle diplomacy. He was able to do what people like Blinken, who are not fit to tie his shoes, uh, uh, w would never be able to do. Uh, and this is not to endorse the interventionism of the U.S. Uh, foreign policy, but nevertheless, he used the offices of the U.S. State Department to facilitate a peace agreement, uh, for example, between Israel uh, and Egypt, et cetera, et cetera. He would talk to people. Our diplomacy nowadays is, I don't like you. I don't like your country's philosophy, so I won't talk to you. And Kissinger wasn't like that. But I, again, will just uh, reiterate, that is only if you were a powerful country that he thought was consequential. Right. And, and there's a uh, piece of legislation int uh, introduced and is going to be coming to a vote from Rand uh, in, in the Senate. And in a way, it, it's related to that is uh, diplomacy and policy. So it has to follow up with some action. But it brought back a few memories uh, to us, uh, uh, Daniel and I, because uh, we uh, worked on uh, resolutions like this. Now, the resolution has to do with uh, bringing the troops in getting out of uh, Syria because we don't need the we don't need to be occupying and controlling oil in Syria for the benefit of our safety matter of fact it expands the danger to uh, to us here uh, Matt Gates gets uh, the Republican from Florida everybody knows about the, but he earlier this year had a similar uh, uh, resolution in the, in the house and uh, trying to send the message, but unfortunately, uh, it got clobbered. He, he, had, he got 103 people to vote with him to 321 against it, which uh, not, uh, not, not so good, but Daniel, you'll recall, I had a few votes. Uh, I guess I hadn't learned how the system worked because uh, getting 103 on some of those occasions when they're hot and heavy for more and more war, uh, it's hard to get anybody to stand up. But eventually they will, because <clears throat> look how long it took them to wake up and say, you know, uh, it's, uh, and Kissinger was involved in this. Let's, uh, let's finish this thing in, uh, uh, in Vietnam. 
uh, a messy, messy ending, but uh, he, he was a participant in, in that. But uh, Daniel, I think you've taken a look at this. This would be, uh, I think, a yes vote for me, don't you think? Yeah, uh, you know, it's, um, you know, Senator Paul is working within the system, and this is something that you did many times when you were in the House with Dennis Kucinich and Walter Jones and uh, John Duncan and others, which is using, although you did not agree with the War Powers Act, um, using a provision in the War Powers Act to force a vote on the floor um, to uh, withdraw troops from certain areas. And that's what Senator Paul is doing. He's using the War Powers Act uh, to force a vote sometime, I think, within the next couple of weeks, uh, to force a vote to remove the approximately 900 troops from Syria. Now, this should be a no-brainer. <laughs> they are doing nothing there. They are increasingly at risk. It's a pro-American move to get American troops that have no mission in Syria and, in fact, are illegally occupying sovereign Syrian territory. It makes no sense to leave them there. The only reason they're there is as a tripwire. If there's a big explosion and enough of them get killed at once, that's going to give the power to Biden to invade uh, Iran or something like this. These, they're, using, they're being used as basically human shields as a tripwire for more U.S. Uh, attacks in the Middle East. That is not the way to use American service members, in my view. Yeah, and Daniel, uh, pointing out uh, uh, the, the thing that in the past, things could have been a lot worse before, and it could get a lot worse here, and we work to try to prevent it and patch things up. Uh, but I think the point that you make, or at least you are encouraging, uh, we need not to be totally despondent and, and, and not... Uh, not assuming that some good can come from this activity and we never know what the good will come it might take a while and uh, but the ideas are important planning ideas is is key to it all and you know we talk about this this sounds a, a lot of complication today about you know legislation that be introduced and what is telling the truth and all of this it gets it gets a bit complex and the world is complex but the, the world that uh, has a country like the United States that believes in a Republican form of government, uh, this, this is, uh, uh, you, you know, not that difficult to understand what the correction is. And that is to restore some of the principles that served us well over the years. And uh, that, that, could be, uh, that could be started very easily by people taken seriously and don't lie or cross their fingers when they take the oath of office because there's a guide there and it's not overly rigid it can be changed but it's not so so rigid that people have to defy it that's where the problem is just think of the executive orders and all the things that congress lets the presidents do i mean uh, who writes the legislation the executive branch and the courts so it's so far removed but I, I think the answer is not complex. And you know the whole issue of sound money. Maybe, maybe the Constitution would give us a hint. I think we would not only would give us a hint about the money, we could actually do better than what we have in the Constitution and have a better monetary system today because I think there's an advanced understanding of what sound money is all about. So there's a lot of things that uh, we have that uh, we can do. So we, we should not become despondent and just give up because ideas have consequences and good ideas have good consequences 
And if they're good enough, they can never be destroyed. An army can't stop a good idea because it will spread and have a life of its own. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.